Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to play it again, just because I haven't heard it in a while. It's not working. This one works. Ah. Great. Well, I can hear you now, buddy. But yeah, uh, the, the the sounds aren't working. The sounds just aren't working. So uh, this is going to be a strange intro. Dude, there it is. That's that's all you get. Uh, my name is Matt Rury, and it has been a while since I have spoken out to the airwaves, or to you for that matter, Calvin Chamberlain. How are you? Are we sure that we're that we're speaking on the air? This is my first question to you. Uh, I'm okay. pretty sure. I'm a little dis- okay. I'll take you at your word there. I know we had a, we had trouble the last couple times we tried this. Uh, yes, I'm actually going to tweet out at Team Green Truth the call-in number for people to call us because this is Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. You can head head over to clnsradio.com and hit us up over there as well. We have a new call-in number. It's brand new. New to us, maybe you've heard it before, I doubt it. It's 323-642-1484, and I'm putting that on my Twitter right now. I've never started a show without a intro, some intro music, so I'm a little thrown off. Please forgive me for that, uh, but with that, I will also tell you about something important for the upcoming football and basketball seasons, Calvin. We're going to talk a lot of football tonight. There's a lot of deflate gate talk going on. Tom Brady and the Patriots are playing your New York Giants tonight in, a, in the final preseason game. We'll get into all that in a little while. But right now I need to tell everybody about Tick IQ. Not Tick as in the little insect, but TickIQ.com. It's for tickets, baby. Are you tired of spending a fortune on tickets and feeling like you got ripped off? Maybe you're at the preseason game right now in Gillette and you feel like you paid too much for those tickets. TickIQ.com has you covered for all your ticketing needs. That's TIQIQ.com. It's the leading ticket aggregator providing fans a one-stop shop to browse the best deals from all ticket sites at one time so you don't have to worry about finding the best seats. It's all right there on TickIQ. They have Sporting events and concerts. So get your tickets for the Patriots this season at TickIQ.com. You'll find the best prices in the market. And we have a promo code for you. It's CLNS, just like CLNS Radio. CLNS for 5% off of IQ certified or TNT tickets listings at TickIQ.com. That's T-I-Q-I-Q.com. All right, Calvin. I know that you're probably not going to buy any tickets to see your Giants play on TickIQ.com, but that's because you're out in Los Angeles and it's tough for you to get to New York to see that team. But there are bigger NFL stories at hand. The Deflategate ruling has come down 
and Judge Richard Matumbo Berman, no, 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 Roger Goodell, has overturned the suspension. Tom Brady will play on uh, September 10th, one week from tonight. What do you think about that? Yeah, how you feel? You want to play the song? If we had a we could I, play I would love songs, to play the but... song. Let's see if this one works. Nope. Nope. If anybody from nope. ATR is listening to this right now, you need to know that the audio clips that I uploaded are not playing for anyone. Thank you. Right now, you <laughs> should be hearing Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe, because that's our celebration song. But you can't hear it. Thanks anyway. That's, that's unfortunate. Because but, you know what, Calvin? There, there was much rejoicing yeah. throughout New England today. People are really celebrating this thing like it's a big deal. And the way that the media covered it and it was dragged on for so long, it kind of turned into a big deal. And for me, it's it's just been a, a load of crap the entire time. I've been trying to avoid it. But now that it's over... Even if it had it gone in the NFL's favor and Brady still had to serve the suspension, I'd be willing to talk about it now. It's said and done. One more time, we'll talk about it. It's gone. It's past us. It's not looming over our heads anymore. So we're going to have a nice long long segment here about it. 323-642-1484. That's the phone number. Give us a call. Go ahead, Calvin. Take it away. Yeah, well, for me, you, said, you sort of alluded to problem one with this entire situation, is that it, it's not done. All it is is, it's, it's just, first of all, all this was was an appeal of the original arbitration decision, which, uh, you know, judges previously were inclined not to reverse. Now, the end, we'll, we'll get into, you know, the, the judge choosing to reverse that in a while later, but all the only thing that's happening now is it's, it's just getting appealed up to the next level. So, I don't feel like we're done at all. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're Brady, it's a good day, and, and President is moving in in your direction, and it, it it seems likely that Brady now is going to, you know, play game one of the season against the Steelers. But but for people who are saying it's over now, I, I is that necessarily the case? I don't think it is. The NFL already announced that they're moving on to the next round. So, what do we have to be happy about this? You know, being done. I don't think. Well, I, I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over completely. I think it's over for 2015. I don't think that they're going to heal any hear any sort of appeal before this season is over. I play this year, and we'll come back next summer and see whether he's still even in the NFL or if he retires and sneaks away from any sort of ruling on this thing, final ruling, I should say. But for now, I mean, I, I it seems as though. Everything I've heard, anyway, uh, it seems as though everything is just going to be in a holding pattern until the appeal is heard, which could take up to two years. Why it would take that long to hear the appeal? Well, they, to, from what I've heard on the radio and in, in other uh, in interviews with some of these lawyers and various legal experts, it's that once uh, it gets to this level... It's not taken as seriously as the other types of cases that are being heard at the at the court at this level. Now that the NFL has to go to a higher court to appeal, and that's why it will take a little bit longer. And I mean, people think that it definitely. I mean, two years is probably an overstatement. Up to two years, that's probably the the long end of things. But the idea is that it's probably most likely not not going to be finished by the end of the NFL season in just three to four months. 
So Brady is good to go for 2015. Huh. Well, uh, I had not heard that at all. I guess, so I guess that's that's good for him. I assume that it would take several months and that it would play out. But, but my thought was that it, it would play out at some point this season. But I I guess not. You know what? I'm, well, I don't I don't have any uh, any names or sources because I can't remember things that they're dealing with. They're not going to look at this thing like. The Judge Berman basically had some time on his hands, it seems, and took this case on and made his ruling, and now the NFL doesn't like it. Oh, wait, well, you fooled me here. Hold on a second. Are you back? Try again. No, we dropped him. He, we lost him. We just lost him. What happened? Well, Calvin, is, Calvin has fallen off. But I'm sure he will be, will be back very shortly. And I guess that just gives me time to, to rant about the fact that uh, I can't hear these sounds. I could be playing Last Christmas right now. Nope, can't hear it. I could be playing uh, Liz's favorite song. But you can't hear it. Hello, Calvin. I'm just ranting. Hello. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm trying to uh to work I work in this headset and I uh <clears throat> I made some sort of tactical error that, that signed me out of that. So I, I I didn't know how well you could hear me on that uh, momentarily, but it, uh I was testing oh, I, it out. I, oh. I, uh you were you were muted. I couldn't even I didn't even have you potted up there, so oh, or okay. uh more play as play it by ear type of thing, I guess, huh? Welcome to Careless hey. Whispers. Da, 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 da. In, in any case, I I I think I want to I want to stress first of all once again I've stressed it before that I, this is not this is not a and I know because this is uh, this was already going to be something that was going to annoy me in New England and on you know on ESPN and this is not a vindication for Tom Brady or like the idea of, like this you know proved that Tom Brady was innocent the the ruling was entirely based on whether or not the judge thought that Brady was justified. I'm sorry that Cadell was justified in in his policy for how he handled the situation. Like Greg Hardy's uh, suspension got overturned upon review, or rather switched. Uh, uh, Adrian Peterson's uh, the suspension was ruled illegal. It, the, the fact of the matter is, is I don't understand why the NFL didn't already, you know, do something to to change the manner in which they handle these appeals because they've been you know, consistently now. Uh, overturned upon reaching the courtroom. So, like, how do they not know that this was going to happen to them again? Of course it's going to happen to them again. But they, Why they wouldn't seem it? To have so, yeah. They seem to have so much confidence going into this. They, the judge repeatedly asked uh, the NFL to make a deal with Brady, and, and granted, uh, you know, Brady had was shown to be defiant as well. Uh, in regards to his relationship with the NFL, and I'm sure you know they were sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, be- being that they couldn't just capitulate to Brady, but also you know Brady seemed to be saying, you know, give me everything I want, or you know we're not going to make a deal. At the same time, the NFL is con- they they are confident, but that's just the air about them. They're always, they're always confident, but they always lose. They they get things have been appealed and the, the, the suspensions reduced multiple times over the, just the past couple of years for various acts of uh, 
criminal level. I mean, this is not a criminal act, but there have been criminal acts that suspension have been reduced for. And it's it's just the way the NFL goes here, Calvin. They have this confidence. They think they're going to – they have this, this big case and it's all wrapped up, but I, I just don't see this going well. Now they're just going to fight it tooth and nail to the end because they have to to try and save some face here. Well, in reality, I think that the way the judge has spelled this thing out – Tom Brady is not going to be affected by this, except for the way that people look at his legacy and how they how they look at him as as far as his integrity is concerned. But playing football on the field, I don't think he's losing any games for this. And I think, I mean, that's easy to say now because this judge has ruled. But I just feel like any sort of appeal in the future is not going to result in any anything positive for the NFL. So they should just. Let it go. They shouldn't have appealed. Just take the take it for what it is and say fine. But I see. I understand why they're not doing that because they've been so adamant that they have something on this guy and they're trying to nail it down and it's just not working. Well, the NFL has nothing to lose at this point. If, if anything, they have no other choice but to appeal because what's happened now is with this this precedent has been set with these last couple of appeals, but in particularly this appeal, just because of how public the entire process has been. Uh that like they can't they can't just let it settle in this in this place where they're at right now because now the the NFL essentially has no power uh in regards to something that's already been collectively guide uh guideline with the players union. So it's like what are they what is their choice right now if you're the NFL? To just to just completely back off and say the you know and say, okay, we, we will change our policy completely uh because we were wrong. Like it's, it's hard right, to that, that is that is a choice, but they can't do it. You see what I'm saying? Like that's that's what what ideally they sh- they would do and they should do, but they can't because that they, that would just make them look completely foolish. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's like theoretically, the owners could get together and remove Roger Goodell, uh, but I I don't see that happening. Do you? I mean, nope, also that'd probably be, not going to happen. Nope. That'd be the smart decision, but. You know, right? But the, the the owners probably like the fact that Goodell is the one taking the heat on all these things, and you know the the owners don't have to do anything about it. I mean, maybe because he, you know Kraft was involved in this case, it he's he might be powerful enough to you know bring enough like-minded owners to try to make a move on Goodell. But I, I but as as cozy as they've been recently, I I mean up until recently, I I still find it hard to believe that he would just move in that direction. I I really don't see what, like where I don't I don't see where we go from here as far as Brady goes though and his legacy I don't think I don't think it impacts it one way or another I think the Deflategate allegations and you know the evidence that came out because came out was go, that already affected people how how it was going to affect people regardless if you if you want to say like you didn't think he did it or or there wasn't enough evidence or you do think he did it but. They, you know, there wasn't enough evidence or or it wasn't that big a deal and, you know, he shouldn't have gotten the suspensions that he did and it was unfair or however you come, or he's completely innocent, however you come down on that, you were already at that position before this ruling. This this ruling was not about, hey, Tom Brady's innocent of the flank game, and that, that's the point that I was trying to make earlier. It, it's not about that. It's about, like, you know, the NFL's uh, policy and whether or not it's fair. And th- this judge, like several of the last judges, have you know, come concluded that it's not. Now, I, I think that there's a fine line to me 
and I, I have this problem in a, in a lot of court situations. In fact, um, this is an issue to me, like, not to get political, but, like, I, I feel like the, the Supreme Court does this at times, where, like, the, the Supreme, Court, uh, Supreme Court's job is essentially to rule on whether or not something is constitutional, like a law is constitutional, not whether or not the law is good, you know? And I, I, I feel the same way about this situation. Like, I, I, I don't love the ruling simply because it, it it feels somewhat like the judge is ruling on whether or not he thinks the suspension of Tom Brady was fair when his job is to rule on whether or not the policy is bad. You know what I mean? Because if the, and, and he sort of did do that, but if, if the policy is unfair and that's the ruling, then it, then it should just apply to all rulings well, going forward. It should, it, it should just go to the fact that, okay, if, if the policy is unfair, then the policy should be unusable from now on. But instead, it, it right. just seems and that's, so... <laughs> and that's, that's where this, the NFLPA is going to have a lot of leverage when it comes to collectively bargaining again uh, with the NFL. And that's something that we'll have to wait and see whether they actually use that leverage to to gain some, I, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know what the word is, but uh, concession, I guess. I'll, I'll call it a concession in the CBA that is good for the players but not the owners. Maybe they get more money in some area or whatever it may be. Uh, but, the, I mean, this is just something that shows that the NFL's policies are terrible and that now it's the NFLPA's job to use that to their advantage. Yeah, I guess. I just, I just wonder. Yeah, I, I wonder what the impact of this decision is going to be on, on future endeavors. Maybe the NFL does just need to hire, you know, an independent uh, sort of, uh, you know, punish, elite punisher who exists outside of Goodell, who can, you know, make the decision on, on suspensions and things like that, or if he's not even involved. That, maybe that's where they go, and he just recuses himself of the situation. That might be the smartest thing to do without, you know, without actually having to admit that you're wrong, just have a, a, a random guy be the guy who, who arbitrates and then have the appeal go to Goodell or, or vice versa. Well, that's what Troy so Vincent was supposed to be, right? I mean, they tried. Yeah. It just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. But they they definitely need to to sh- do some sort of shake-up in the policy. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just saying the, the entire thing just feels like a huge waste of time now. I, just the way, the way it came down was uh, – it was a little bit surprising to me just because I, I expected it. I, you know why it was surprising to me? Because the NFL played played it like they had a winning hand and like they knew the direction it was going to go. And clearly, like the judge had no sympathies for for any of their arguments. And it, it seemed almost like he he wanted to decide like whether or not Brady was guilty himself. And that's that's the point that I, I, I take a little bit of issue with that. But well, I mean, he did uh, look at the fact that there was no there was no strong evidence that Brady was guilty. And in in that regard, he also said, well, Brady, whether whether he had general knowledge of or was in on it or not, he did not have any knowledge that he would be suspended for something like like that. And he also had no knowledge that he would be suspended the same as a PED user for anything like that. And that's 
why he overturned the suspension. Not necessarily because he thought Brady was innocent, uh, as far as I've gathered from the thing, but because the suspension was not just based on prior incidents. And uh, if the league was really le- leaning heavily on this non-compliance thing with the broken phone, it was more of a fine type of situation than it than it was warranting a suspension. So I think he looked at it that way as well. I have a problem with the equivocation argument, and and you know I've heard this over and over again of like. If one guy gets suspended a, a certain amount of time for one thing, PEDs versus, you know, another guy, like, oh, uh, playing the football is not as bad as PEDs, so why is the suspension the same? Like, they're, they're two different things. You know what I mean? Like, whether or not something is as bad in real life, you, you can make an, you can still make an argument that, like, its impact on the game is, is equivalent. Like, in other words, doing something that, doing something that changes – I don't think it's I don't think it's that it's the, he's saying that the PED thing is is worse. I think it's that there's a specific amount of games and a specific structure for PED use. <clears throat> as far as the right, suspensions the, are concerned, but, right, but Brady the, had no idea that he was going to be treated on that level. It's just like not to make the this this uh, equivalency as well, but this cross reference sporting of reference here. Uh, baseball PED usage is very strict, obviously. 50 games, 100 games, life. Just to sort of look at it that way, if it, in, in the NFL, if four games is the minimum for a first-time offense, uh, that, I mean, it's something that is specifically written into the CBA about a specific thing. This general knowledge of ball deflation is is no more than an equipment violation, and Unless I'm wrong here, and I'm, I don't have it right in front of me, as far as I know, that it, there's no suspension involved in that by, that's mandated in the CBA. There's a fine. There's a $25,000 fine mentioned, but not any sort of suspension. That's why you can sort of look at it on the same line, or try to anyway, because they specifically say what it is for PED usage, and they have it's very vague when it comes to an, an equipment uh, violation. Well, I mean, it's not, but from the NFL's perspective, and, and even it's not just the equipment violation. Obviously, it's the hindrance of the investigation. Sure. But, but even beyond, but, but even beyond that, the difference for that between, too. right? But the difference between that, those two situations is exactly what you just said. There's, but, but there's, but there's no, there's no precedence. For, for you know a deflating the football violation, so the president gets. But if you're looking at it as an equipment violation, isn't the San Diego Chargers towel violation in a a, a precedent for for equipment violation with the, the with the sticky ta- or the stick them on the towels? So so your your argument is that that all all equipment violations are equal because I don't necessarily buy that argument. I mean. It's an, it's under an under the uh, under the vague under the vague rules set in the NFL CBA about equipment violations and what the minimum penalty is, that's what it well, seems to be. Yeah, sure. Well, no, no. What, yeah, what the minimum penalty is, sure. But that's that's still it's it's still going to be up to the uh, discretion of Cadell. If you could if you could give me any, you know uh, a multitude of of examples of you know other quarterbacks that had gotten into ball deflection issues, then I, then we'd be having a different conversation. And, you know, punishments that weren't as severe as Brady, but the, but you can't because there is no example. The precedent was going to be set by this case, and I, I just don't see how comparing it to PEDs is relevant. I mean, 
it, it, to me, it's, it's it's apples and oranges, and I, I understand that the judge disagreed with that. I just don't buy that notion. I, I think the, the precedent has to be set by this case. You can try to say that it's that, that it's too harsh, and I I agree with that argument. I, I even you know even with the obstruction uh, of the investigation, even with the preponderance of, of circumstantial evidence, I I still think four games is too harsh. I I expected it to to be two. I I, I think that that the idea that he shouldn't be suspended at all is a little uh, I'm, I wouldn't go that far, but. I, I think there's there's a middle ground there, but I I also think that just the notion that like you know because equipment violations have have at times in the past ended up at, at fines means that this has to be the same that that, that doesn't wash with me that argument. All right, I mean I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree because I'm more on the side of the judge here. I'm just trying to think or I'm trying to see it the way that he would see it, and uh, that's. That's just the way that I take his his ruling here. Yeah, I just to me it, it, the ruling just feels like a little bit too much to me. Like like this judge was you know essentially choosing choosing to be commissioner himself. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it, it was his job to decide what what that penalty should be, and that's where he went too far. Do you want to talk about procedure and you want to say you know Brady should have? Uh, I, the, the argument that Brady should have been aware of, of the, what the punishment was before he did it, it that's like saying, you know, there's, there's probably not a specific, hypothetically, I'll create a situation, there's, there's probably not a, you know, a punishment set in the CBA for, uh, you know, taking extra footballs and, and throwing them at, at fans, you know, sitting in the stadium. <laughs> but, you know, but Cadell should still be able to, to try to assess what the po- proper punishment for that is before a rule exists. Okay. If somebody just but, decided to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, once, the idea that yeah, not, I do understand. I, I do understand. But once it gets in the hands yeah. of this judge, if you're saying that he shouldn't be the one to determine what the punishment should be, what is he determining? Whether there should have been a punishment or not, right? So either he lets the four games stand or he takes it down to zero. If if it, he had made it two games, would you have been okay with that? Uh, well, but essentially, essentially I'm, I'm not, see, to me, it's it's not even about the four games to zero. It's about, it's, it's, it's about, is, is, was the procedure fair? And I, I think, you know, that should be it. I, I, I think some of, and if he decides it's unfair, that, that that's fine. So he throws out the entire thing. That's essentially, right. that's essentially what he did. That's, that's, that's fine. That's what he did, yeah. But yeah, no, no, I, I understand that's what he did, but but certain certain elements of what he said and the reasonings behind that, to me, crossed the line from, you know, this, okay. this procedure should have been done done more properly to uh, to like, you know, uh, Tom Brady shouldn't have been punished for what he did, and that to see what I'm saying, those are two separate steps, and to take that second step. Is you now you're stepping into the realm. Well, like, of like, what, like what though? Just the fact that he's looking for more evidence and things like that, and he's saying that they don't have any proof and and all of this. I mean, what what in in the way he worded it is making you think that he just is is on Brady's side for whatever reason. Well, one again, like I said before, the the inclusion of the PED stuff uh, in in making the comparison about how there's a set policy and you know there's not a set policy for this. But again, like that's part of it. That's part of the guidelines. And and two, like he, I don't. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be looking at the evidence of of whether or not Tom Brady did the deflate. The, the 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 point of the judge is to determine whether or not the NFL's procedure in in uh, handing out punishments 
is fair or unfair. So therefore, like I said, so the judge's notion that there's enough evidence against Tom Brady or not is, is almost irrelevant. It sh- or at least it should be. But in, in this case, it wasn't. That's, that's where I think he overstepped his bounds a little. All right. Fair enough. I think we should get off of this now. We've been on it for about half an hour, and uh, for once and for all, goodbye, good riddance, good night, Deflategate. I hope to never see you again. The last time you hear it on this this tele- television, this this radio show, until we talk about it again. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, a long, long time from now. Let's see. We have an update on um, why we can't hear any sounds. And apparently, Calvin, I uploaded these things uh, weeks ago, and then there was some sort of an issue with uh, the audio, and they need to be re-uploaded. So there will be no for the rest of the show tonight. I apologize to everybody that loves my DJ abilities. All right, well, that's true. We'll get there. You know, you know, we're always uh, evolving here at CLNS Radio. We will. We will get there. I, I got the same-fangled uh, headset that apparently makes me sound better. I'll, they'll be able to get to that at some point, I think. That's right. That's right. Maybe I can go onto my phone and pull up some sort of a song here and play it and see what it sounds like. We'll try that in a minute. Uh, but until then... We've got more NFL stuff to talk about, Calvin. Do you know that? Uh, more NFL stuff. You hate the NFL. More NFL stuff. I don't hate the NFL. I'm just not very good at fantasy football, and I'm kind of out of touch with the league. But for those of you that are good at fantasy football, I've got a great deal for you. There's only a few preseason games to go before the regular season kicks off. There's a game going on right now, if you're listening to us live. Pats and Giants. I don't even know what the score is, Calvin. That's how much I love the NFL. Now, people know that I, that I like the NFL when it's going well for me in fantasy and when I can win some money doing it. And you, Calvin, and anybody else out there can start the season by winning $2 million. Week one is coming up a week from tonight. Pat Steelers. They're going to drop the banner in New England, and you can win $2 million at DraftKings.com. It's America's favorite one-week fantasy football site, and it's the biggest fantasy football contest there ever. This is what they're doing. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, $2 million for first place, $1 million for second. So not only could you be a $2 millionaire, you could be a $1 millionaire. And this is not a season-long commitment. This is week-to-week. You can play as many times as you want. You can play one time if you want, and then hit it big that one time. Where, when, and with any players that you want, as long as they fit under the salary cap, because you got to do that. Uh, it's you. It, it's it's really fun. You get money if you're good at it. I'm not. Some people are. Hopefully, you are. I am. You've never experienced football like this. Every game feels like the playoffs, even in week one next week. Uh, like I said, it's not fantasy as I usual. I hope you do. It's DraftKings. DraftKings.com. Go there now. Use the promo code New England. Play for free 
in that two million dollar or that ten million dollar giveaway. So it's a shot for two million for first place. You get in for free with the promo code New England at DraftKings.com. That is DraftKings.com. Scoop that cash. Now I would play another drop. Drop something. Play it in your mind. Use your imagination. All right, Calvin. More NFL discussion here. And the uh, the uh, Washington Redskins, what buffoonery do they have going on down there now? Oh, man, what a joke that franchise is. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this situation. The, the you know, the RT3 situation. This guy, you know, call, a couple of weeks ago called himself the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you know, his coach hates him, John Gruden. It's it's tough when your coach hates you, you know, and when when your teammates hate you. This, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if you saw what Martellus Bennett said a couple of weeks ago about Jay Cutler, about how he's not a leader. This is a guy who's going to quarterback his team, like, Nobody likes RG3, and it's unfortunate. You, you don't really have an opportunity to win. I remember this guy came out of college uh, a couple of years ago. You know, he had a, a good season, but you, you remember we, we on this very show, like, got into a debate about uh, who was going to be better between him and Andrew Luck. You remember that? That was like three years ago, two years ago. A long time ago, yeah. But it wasn't But it wasn't really that long. Look where he's at now, though. It's Yeah, there it is. A little late. Does that sound good? Wow. No, 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 it does not. No? No. For my phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Awful. Sorry. Rory, do you really think that RG3 is better than Kirk Cousins? Uh, I'm sorry, huh. better than RG3. I mean, RG3 certainly doesn't believe that. He thinks he's the best quarterback in the NFL. In the entire NFL, and this latest concussion is really something that's hindering his progress, and he's just got some bad luck, right? Uh, from what we've seen, Kirk Cousins manages a football game in the NFL better than Robert Griffin III. It's a small sample size, but didn't the Redskins look better when Kirk Cousins was back there? I mean, they didn't win many games, period. But they just looked like a, I don't know, less horrible team when he was back there? I'll put it that way. How about that? Yeah, here's the thing. Okay, uh, you know, Griffin had ACL issues, so last year he came back and he was still recovered. Like, I'm not saying that all of a sudden, you know, obviously he's played in preseason games. He doesn't look like a superstar athlete. But at least with RG3, there's like, there's the promise of, uh, not the promise, the potential of some sort of hope and recovery with Kirk Cousins. What is there? Like Kirk Cousins is, you know, an adequate backup and a guy who can play well in, in three stretches, but he doesn't have the athleticism to like, you know, lead an NFL team consistently. I don't think RG3 is good either. Um, although it'll be, it's funny to me because you see all these people from around the league and ESPN, uh, all blasting RG3 and where, wherever he ends up next year, I feel like they're immediately going to just blame it on the Redskins and talk about how he just needed a fresh tight. That's you know what I mean. I think their team, RG3, is going to end up somewhere. Other teams Buffalo. going to take a look at him because yeah, because uh, maybe I'm he's calling it right Buffalo now. That's that's the team right there. Buffalo's the team. That's the team. I wouldn't be surprised. Rex Ryan does that sort of thing. 
The point is, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He does that sort of thing. They need a quarterback, obviously. You think Tyrod Taylor is going to be any good this year? I kind of doubt it. And after that, who knows? Yeah, I think this is Rex Ryan's first year up in Buffalo. It's it's sort of the year that he's going to establish his system, the way that he wants things done. And he's probably on a three- to four-year leash, I would think. I don't know what his contract is, but that's kind of the way it goes, especially with a guy of his caliber, right? And so next year is going to be the year that he brings in his quarterback. And maybe that's Robert Griffin III. Maybe they go out after somebody in the draft. Who knows? But I am going to say right now that – Rex Ryan is at least going to bring RG3 to Buffalo, and who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's the guy that coming back healthy next year in a different place, fresh start, maybe he is going to light things up and be the quarterback that he expects himself to be. But how much longer can Washington keep RG3 on their bench? How long can they do it, period? Like, what kind of pressure does that put on Cousins to come out and have a good start? There's, uh, people already don't like RG3. He, there's already uh, this controversy behind him. Uh, Dan Snyder loves him, so there's there's that issue. you got to you know, Gruden's job's going to be on the hot seat at some point if he doesn't win. But shouldn't they? I know I know there's a huge cap hit if they cut him, but right. what, are, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Do you think trade him right now? They can't trade him right now because he, he he's got like he's got like fifteen million guaranteed for next year or something if they trade him. Right. Uh, but well, but I'm, what I'm saying is why don't they just cut him? I know I know there's a you know financial cost there, but I, I just don't to. see. How, yeah, I just don't see how you can continue to have a, a guy like this on your team, you, especially you know like I said, especially putting pressure on uh, your other young quarterback. Uh, you know, the, I, you don't think he's going to say things uh, if if Cousins has a bad game one. Like, you know, supposedly Griffin was already like uh, on anti Redskins websites, support you know, in supporting them even though he, he backed off of that. Uh, yeah, you don't think he's going to be right back up on those anti uh, Redskins websites talking about how <laughs> how much uh, Kirk Cousins sucks if, if they lose game one? Like, there's going to be a revolt in Washington. I don't see how. This guy can can remain on the bench. Do you? Uh, it, I mean, we're going to find out real quick, but it seems as though the coach and the owner do not agree, and the coach is high, using this concussion to uh, name Kirk Cousins as his starter and imply that it's going to be that way for the rest of the year. Uh, if they lose in game one, I'm, you can be sure that Dan Snyder is going to be walking down those steps and knocking on Coach Gruden's door and saying, "Hey, how's uh, how's Robert feeling today? Have you have you checked in with the training staff? Did he pass the concussion tests? Can he get back on the field? Because he's my starter, and your job's on the line at this point. That's the type of owner that Daniel Snyder has shown himself to be. He gets his way, and the fact that Griffin is still on the team proves it right now, because they could have gotten rid of him." Long ago, had Snyder given the coach the leeway that a lot of franchises give their coaches and general managers as well. Maybe maybe I'm spoiled up here, but you tell me. If Tom Coughlin doesn't want a player on his team, does that player stay on the team? Yeah, I think he doesn't. I think he doesn't stay on the team now. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. So. There's there's a there's a divide between the, the ownership and the coaching staff uh, in in D.C. and 
that's going to be a problem for them going forward. You're right. They're going to have to find a way to get around that. And then cutting him is the is the best answer, I would think, uh, unless unless a team is willing to guarantee that that big contract next season and take it on. Yeah, and I, I think it's just emblematic of the bigger problem in Washington, which is that the coach essentially has no power. You know, the, Jay Gruden doesn't like RG3, didn't like him last year, and he's, he's basically beholden. The only person who likes RG3 in that entire organization seems to be Dan Snyder, and like it, it, he's still on the team because of it. I, I think that, you know, if I'm the next coach of Washington, and I imagine that unless, unless they really surprise people this year, uh, they're going to have a new coach next year. I'd, I'd be wary about, you know, taking that job. Has I'm going to Google it right now, but do you know if he's come on on the record as far as saying why he likes Robert Griffin III? Is it a marketing thing? Does he think the guy's got a great personality and that he's going to be a star because he kind of has his own branding and all that crap? Or does he think he's a good football player? Because if the ownership is starting to say that they want guys on the field because of all that other junk that goes along with the franchise, then your product on the field is hurting. And ultimately, isn't that what what you're supposed to be putting out there is the best product on the field that you can? It lo- sounds to me like they just they just don't care and they're just trying to make money. Uh, and unfortunately, you see that a lot in professional sports. <clears throat> Philadelphia 76ers. I just think that when you you know when you trade away a, 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 your draft for the next few years for you know a number two pick, uh, you know guy who's who has some you know outsized personality, uh, right there for the Heisman Trophy, uh, oh he won the Heisman Trophy right he won the Heisman Trophy comes into comes into Washington has a, a tremendous rookie year, you, you know when you're the owner it's it's hard to shy away from a guy like that just to star power and you know. The idea that he has potential, even even after he got injured, it's hard to move away from it, especially when you're a guy who's you know not working with him on a day to day basis. You're not familiar with his attitude or uh, a lot of the other little things that'll put a coach off. It's if you're the owner, you're just like, well, why can't you make it work with this guy? He's our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy. So, I found an article in the Washington Post from. Uh, 2013, December 2013, and the headline here says, uh, Daniel Snyder, the third friendship, highlight. So, does I'm sorry, you cut out me asking the question. This is going back to me asking the question. Does Daniel Snyder okay. think RG3 is a good football player? Or does he think he's a good guy and he wants to have marketability and the RG3 brand is going to go places? That's that's what I'm wondering here. Because, the, I mean, this, this article is just sort of saying that, yeah, they hang out together. RG3 says it's not relevant to the football game. It's not relevant to my life. That was in reference to him not getting along with Coach Mike Shanahan, who, of course, is not here. So this is, that's already one time now that Snyder has gone with the player over the coach. How, when does that work? When does going with a player over a coach work? 
LeBron James, Tom Brady. I mean, it would happen, but Magic Johnson. Sure, that's when it works. Is Robert Griffin, those guys right now, has he shown any semblance of number one player in his generation type of player at all in the NFL? No. No, I then then he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation with them, right? Yeah, I I think that when you talk about player versus coach situation, uh, you you should you should favor the player, but the but the problem is if the player is the type of player who tries to get rid of coaches, then he then he better be a damn good player because if he's not, then he's just going to be a coach killer and he's going to sabotage your coaches and, and not be worth it. But I, I think you should always look at it from the player perspective. In RG3's case, yeah, he it's, it's not even that, like, you, you know, the, you, the, the Redskins should still have Mike Shanahan. I don't think anyone's making that argument, per se. It's just more that, like, if you're going to have a coach-killing type of player, then that player better be, you know, better than RG3 is right now. Exactly. Exactly my point. Uh, speaking of coach-killing... Actually, not coach killing, but I just, for some reason, this clicked in my head that I forgot that I there was something another topic that I wanted to bring up, and it's not NFL-related. So you just tell me when you want me to throw that one out there. Do you have anything else you want to say about RG3? No, I'm good. You're good. That's All good. right, so do we, do you, you want to just move on to this non-NFL-related topic? Um, I'm, I can't remember what, what the NFL related topic is, so just hit me with it. No, I'm I'm saying I have a, an extra topic that I didn't even tell you about. Oh, it's an okay, NBA we'll topic. Or do you want do you want to talk about Giants Patriots, the barn burner that's happening right now? I'm sure. I don't even again don't even know what the score is. Don't even know what the starters played. It's a fourth preseason game. Nobody cares. Do you care? Well, I I, I don't care, and I I do I did briefly want to say. I just talk once again, and we we're gonna talk. I, I wanted to hit this topic, you know, every year until the end of time. I just want to quickly talk about how much I hate the NFL preseason. You know, uh, we we already have two two safeties hurt, which is already like a position of you know sitting on on the Giants. Uh, we lost our our starting uh, left tackle, Will Beatty, for you know probably the majority of the season uh, before training camp even started. Jason Pierre-Paul still hasn't even reported yet. I don't even know how many fingers he has. I just hate the NFL. Every year I get excited about, oh, you know, when the preseason starts, oh, the NFL's back. And then I watch the Giants play, and they they were like, they used Shane Marine basically like as their, their uh, you know, power, high formation H-back. And I'm just like, what am I what am I doing here? They're not even, they're like so conservative. The Giants are so conservative during preseason. It's not even worth my time to watch. So, that's it. I just wanted to talk about how much I hate the NFL reason preseason. This game, right? Uh, okay. Can I can I ask you can I ask you a quick question about your Giants for real though? Because uh, I heard a guy again on the radio in radio interview in the morning. Who I mean, I don't know how much credibility these guys have, but he he was uh, a beat reporter for somewhere around here. Again, straw man. Call it a straw man, if you will. He was saying that the Giants potentially could be worse than they've been in a very long time. Do you see it that way? Do they have a lot of problems in the defensive defensive backfield, a lot of injuries, and like you mentioned, Pierre Paul? Or is this guy completely wrong? 
Well, I, I, I think, see, I, I, have, I have somewhat of the opposite opinion because I think their schedule is, is extremely easy. I think that they, 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 uh, uh, they leave the East Coast twice. In like one one game is to go to Dallas and the other game is to go to New Orleans. So we're not talking about games in Seattle here. You know what I mean? They're they're basically like they're spending all of their games within like a, you know eight hundred miles of home is essentially what we're talking about, except for like three. So with that with that really easy schedule in mind, I think the defense uh, could be it could be bad with an injury like. I like Kamardi and Amukamara as cornerbacks, but I think if either one of them gets hurt, the, the lack of depth in the secondary is really going to hurt them. Um, Amukamara got hurt last year, and their in their secondary just went to hell. You know, Pierre Paul, who knows who knows like what he, nobody's seen him, so who knows what kind of shape he's in, or you know what how good he's going to be this year. That's a huge question mark with their pass rush. So uh, their their defense, there's certainly plenty of concerns. Uh, they they added this rookie offensive lineman at left tackle who's supposed to be you know really talented, but also he he doesn't really have all the the proper techniques down. So there's you know if he struggles, but their offensive line was terrible last year. But so there's there's a question. They had a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year. Like this year, it's going to be better uh, in terms of health. But it's a question mark. They just have a lot of question marks. They could be terrible. There's no question they could be terrible, particularly on defense. I think offense will be offensively they'll be good. But I, I just think with that schedule, it's hard for me to think that they'll be worse than seven and nine, eight and eight. All right. Well, it's the moment you've been waiting for. Me bringing up a. NFL topic. Virtual show. I think. We hope we've been broadcasting out to anyone listening at this point. We haven't had any. Maybe it's a new number, Calvin. 323-642-84. Seems pretty easy. We still come up with a. Uh, Character word or phrase that that since it's the first show I give a okay. um and we switch our attention very quickly here to the NBA before potentially coming back to the NFL because there by the seat of our pants Calvin I don't know if you heard this or saw this maybe you did maybe you didn't got in L A Doc Rivers had some comments the other day. And uh, he made it seem like Pierce had two options here, whether he was going to sign in with with L.A. with the Clippers, which he did, or whether he was going to go back to Boston. So according to Doc Rivers, here's the quote, you know, I think he wanted to go one or two places, come back here, or he wanted to finish his career at home where he grew up. I think it's really, really cool for me that I get part of that. Uh, that, to me, seems a, a little interesting because I thought initially that Pierce was going back to Washington, taking that extension, or not that extension, but that uh, player option, 
and just picking that thing up and but it, he just declared I thought I realized that then going to LA. I never for once at this point thought that he was gonna sign in Boston and I don't know if that's because I thought that Ainge was not interested or that Pierce was not interested or maybe a little bit of both. But it just to me it, it didn't occur the way this thing is by Chris Forsberg is that swallow it's in his you you're really getting out of that. It, it it seems a little ridiculous that people are saying that it's hard to swallow something like that because for one I didn't think that he was going to do it anything. and for two if it did come down to two teams would it actually make that he would choose between LA and Boston and that the Clippers are closer to a championship, so he would go there because it's his hometown? Or am I just thinking too much into this thing? Yeah, I, as far as Washington goes, I, I, that to me is an interesting sign that, that he probably just didn't think Washington was you know ready to compete for a title because – uh, you know, he did as he did as much for Washington last year as I could have possibly imagined him doing for a, a team in the playoff. And I, I think that if he thought there was any chance that team could, you know, take it to another to another level in the season, he probably would have resigned there. So that to me says something about that. Uh, as far as him going to Boston or or LA goes, um, I, I, it's it's a little bit surprising to me that he would have wanted to go back to Boston, just considering the type of player Pierce is and how much he, he seems to be uh, he seems to be focusing on the idea of winning these last couple of years and, you know, just how much he gets out of it. You can, you can see, you know, when he wins a game, like how much he loves it and how much it, it feeds him when he wins in the playoff. And I, I think that, yeah, it surprises me that he'd just be willing to uh, go to Boston to try to, to, try to end uh, his career there or, you know, try to help that team uh, a little bit, but I think that he was, you know, probably going to the Clippers regardless. I, I, I think it was a situation with Doc yeah. to him, but he, but he didn't yeah. want to bury Boston. Yeah. No, okay, so that's that's fair enough. He didn't want to bury Boston, but it's definitely. It seems to me that that if people were would be upset by the fact that he chose the Clippers over Boston, still at this point, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's a different situation yeah. here, different system, well, different coaching staff. I mean, he knows Doc. Excuse me, Doc better than he knows Brad Stevens, obviously. So as far as the basketball is concerned, that is probably a better fit for him, and that's that's why he went there. And it's a, I, th- I think it's the right decision. Although I would have loved to see him back in green. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And if anything, like I don't know if you saw the, the quote from Pierce. Uh, it might have been from it was maybe a month ago or a couple of weeks ago where he he talked about. Uh, uh, he talked about how he wanted to go home uh, and, and play in L.A., but that, he, that you know, there'd be, there's no way that he could ever play for the Lakers. He said that would just feel wrong. So uh, I read that quote, and, like, that actually – I thought, well, Celtics fans are probably happy to hear that, but maybe that part of it didn't get back to you, but he, he definitely made that statement. Oh, no, I knew I knew all about that. I've, I've I definitely heard him say that before, uh, even – even though yeah. that he signed in with the Clippers, because just the rivalry between Boston and the Lakers is is so strong, and he felt that, and he was a Celtic for life, and uh, I think in his heart he probably will retire as a Celtic, even if he wins a title for the Clippers this year, could happen. Yeah, 
and that, that rivalry doesn't extend to the Clippers, right? The Clippers don't—they don't get to have a nope. hand in that Boston rivalry, right? Like you don't—you not you at, don't at all. The only all. thing the Clippers—the only part of the Clippers or the part of the rivalry the Clippers have is that they were a stop on the way to see the Lakers that the Celtics had to run through, and uh, they were occasionally a problem for the Celtics, depending on the situation that they were thrown into uh, in L.A. But now that the Clippers are good, they've been more of a problem for the Celtics recently. But as far as the rivalry is concerned, they have nothing to do with this. Go Clippers for all I care. If Boston, for some crazy reason, got a second NBA team, I wouldn't care at all about them one way or another. There you go. You know what? I wouldn't either. You're damn right. I wouldn't either. Yeah. That's sort of how I feel like you should think. You like I don't like the Clippers, but I feel like you should be completely ambivalent about the Clippers, even with Doc there. It's like whatever they're the Clippers. Yeah, I just I mean if 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 they're I'm not going to root for the Clippers. I would, I guess, uh, but right. actually with Pierce there, it's a little bit tougher for me to say that. But if if they're there and, and they win, great, great for them. I'm not going to root for them. How about that? But if they win, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to root against them either. It's total ambivalence. So it's been a couple of years, just out of curiosity. Do you, do you still feel like uh, is, is Doc still your guy, or are you sort of completely divorced from Doc at this point? I'm done with Doc at this point. I, I don't really care what he has to say, and I think that plays into the part of the fact that I don't even care about what he said about this Pierce thing. Doc Rivers talks to talk, you know? He, he's a very good manipulator of the, the uh, English language, and I respect him for that. He's an excellent basketball coach. For a little while, I still wanted him here, and I thought that he could help the franchise, but I, I believe in Brad Stevens at this point. I like what he's done to, to start his career here, and uh, good luck to Doc Rivers. How about that? Does, does any of that have to do with the fact that like Doc tends to you know, say ridiculous things to support his players or talk out of both sides of his mouth, and like now that you're – now that he's outside of Boston, maybe you can you, you can see that a little more easily with you know some of the well, things. Well, you know what I and I don't like, I'm not I don't actually I do want to blame the media. I'll blame the media all the time. Everybody in the media has an agenda, uh, but it seems like you're like you're right. Now that he's not in Boston, you sort of see the other things that he said. Whereas if you were not actually there all the time, and you were just listening and reading what the listening to and reading what the media in Boston was writing, uh, he seemed like the, the greatest guy in the world. I, you, you don't see the stuff that he says out of both sides of his mouth until now that he's gone. It's very strange. So I blame the media for that one, Calvin, and maybe I was duped a little bit. Right, yeah, fair, fair enough. I mean, I, I, like, you know, in Boston or in, in, in uh, L.A., I've sort of, Seen Doc as the same guy, and I don't think that he's a bad guy. I I think that like I don't I don't take everything that he says as face value because uh, I, you know there's a clear agenda behind a lot of what he says, and usually well, to to his credit that that agenda is often to protect his players or you know try to make a guy seem uh, different than than the way Doc probably actually thinks. That's right. You're definitely right about that one. Okay. Um, we have about a half an hour left if you want to use it, or we can go to this brave story, which is kind of dark and sad, uh, or we can do some on-the-fly NFL divisional picks. Uh, you know what? You, you don't want to do them, all right? We don't have to do them. 
Well, I treat to you. I was gonna. I give to you. I was gonna throw. Oh, thank you, Calvin. I was gonna throw the disclaimer out there because I I would just have to pull up the standings and pick randomly. And I'll tell you. How about this? Instead of doing picks, I will tell you why I feel like I'm so out of touch with this league. I heard somebody give a very strong case for why the Philadelphia Eagles will win the Super Bowl this year. And to me, that that just blows my mind. Because the the Eagles that I remember are the Eagles, I guess, of a few years ago that I picked to go 4-12, and and they went 4-12. and That's how I look at the Philadelphia Eagles. So when I, when I hear somebody make a case that Chip Kelly has something going down there and that he's going to be able to put a team together that makes it all the way through the NFC and to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl, I feel like I'm too out of touch with the league to make any sort of picks. And I need to actually watch some damn football this year if, if we're going to have a show. That's how I feel about that. It's funny because a lot of people think the Eagles are going to be good this year, and I tend I to think understand. those people are. I tend to think those people are insane. Now, I'll give, okay. I'll give Chip, yeah, I'll give Chip Kelly this credit. Like Chip Kelly is is a witch, and he knows that guy knows how to run an, an efficient offense. But just the notion of like Sam Bradford, the, the the Eagles already got mad that Sam Bradford like got hit, you know. Uh, on a read option play in which the quarterback is fair game, uh, Terrell Suggs in a, pre- in a preseason game hit Sam Bradford. Everybody freaked out, and they freaked out because right. of Sam Bradford. Like, who? I, I don't understand these people that think that Sam Bradford is going to make it through the season unscathed. Like, when have, when have we ever had that precedence? Maybe he will. Who knows? Like, you you can't predict future future injuries. But the idea that people well, have on that option play, he won't. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's, it's the, the Eagles. The Eagles don't run a lot of max protect. You know what I mean? Like this is a team that runs a fast pace offense. They run a lot of plays, more plays than other teams. Okay, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to get hit a lot. They, they run a lot of quick passes. I don't understand like this notion that the guy's going to remain upright all season. I understand they got to Marco Murray, but I'm even skeptical about that because you know the Cowboys basically ran him into the ground, and they had the best offensive line in the league. The Eagles' offensive line is getting older. I don't see it. I don't see I don't see it with the Eagles, but there are, te- there are a lot of people okay. who like the Eagles this year, and I don't get it. All right. I do not get so it. So that's that's yeah, that's what threw me off, Calvin. Uh, to be honest with you, that scared me off from making NFL picks, and I just I felt like I was I was overmatched when I heard the, this this argument, and I, I'm glad that you're on on the same page with me. I'm glad that maybe. Maybe it's just your hatred for the Eagles, and maybe it's just my hatred for the Eagles shining through, uh, and the, just the disbelief that Chip Kelly can can pull this off. But either way, I mean, we're on I the same page. Uh, I hate the Cowboys right. significantly more than the Eagles, and I think the Cowboys will be fine. But uh, the Eagles, okay. are, yeah, I just, I just don't think they'll be yet. But who knows? I'm not saying four and twelve again, but I mean I'm not talking yeah. Super Bowl victory either here, people. Let's let's pump the brakes on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, all right, why don't we why don't we uh, wrap it up with a couple of baseball stories? You want to do the 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 happy story first? Well, I guess neither one of them are necessarily happy, but there's one that's significantly more upsetting than the other. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, what's the happy one? I'm like I'm not thinking of it right now. Well, it, I, that's because we didn't actually make it an official topic. I'm doing it on, on the fly right now. I'm playing it by ear. 
Okay, it's, uh, it on it's the fact that it's the fact that basically it looks like Hanley Ramirez is done playing baseball for the Boston Red Sox this year. Yeah, that's I feel the, uh, the more that. uplifting story. Lead with that. Yeah, lead with that. I, that is right, we'll, we'll, leave that, we'll end the show on a de- well. We'll leave that. We'll end the show on a depressing note. Excellent, um, as we like to do around here. <laughs> so I'm going to pull up this quote from Tori Lavulo, the interim manager uh, for the Red Sox. Now that uh, John Farrell, actually, this is uh, a sad note as well. John Farrell, uh, we haven't actually mentioned it on the show because we haven't had a show really uh, since it's happened. Is uh, out as manager right now because he has cancer, so he's getting that treated, and uh, I'm not sure how it's going. Nobody's really reported on that yet. I think it's only been a, a couple of weeks now since he's entered, entered uh, treatment, so hopefully all is well with John Farrell. But this quote that I'm looking for is uh, from Tori Lavulo because he, he basically has said that uh, Ramirez, if not has seen his last day this season in a Red Sox uniform. He definitely is not playing in the outfield anymore. And, Calvin, that is something to celebrate because, boy, oh, boy, was that guy a joke in the outfield. Um, the announcement was made. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Lavulo was asked if he expected to see Ramirez again in left field, and he said, I do not. I think we just walked through a couple of different scenarios. I think with how the young kids have been doing in the outfield, I think I think we want to give them the time that, there that they deserve. So for those of you that don't know, the Red Sox have three young outfielders, Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, and Ruzne Castillo, that they're, they need to see if these guys can actually play baseball in the major leagues. Bradley Jr. has been around a couple of years up and down. Betts is coming on stronger this year, and Castillo is a uh, offseason acquisition uh, from Cuba that the Red Sox paid a lot of money for, so hopefully he pays off, or it, it pays off. The point, Calvin, here is they're looking at this thing with Hanley Ramirez and saying, guy can't play outfield. And finally, for once, nobody's pampering this guy. And the reason I wanted to bring this up on this show is because Hanley Ramirez played for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And when you're feeling baseball, that's your team. So I ask you, Calvin, was Hanley Ramirez as much of a little whiner and injury-prone guy in L.A. as he seems to be right now? Because I think that plays a lot into it. But more importantly, did he also have a lack of effort and a terrible attitude that he is definitely carrying right now uh, because or at least before Dave Dombrowski came to the team, the new GM for the Red Sox, Ramirez didn't seem to want to do anything. Well, uh, how do you feel? We, I, I do want to ask you about the, the whole, uh, you know, regime change in Boston because we never really got into that, uh, how you feel about the, the move toward Dombrowski. But, um, in fact, we can, we can do that instead of the sad story if you want to, if you want to end life. But, um, sure. As far as Hanley goes, if you remember before the season, I, th- I thought the Hanley signing was a bad move. I told you Hanley was only in, in L.A. for two years. His first year, uh, he was awesome. But the, the Dodgers managed to get Hanley because he was, you know, disgruntled and underperforming in, in basically uh, that same guy 
with the Marlins. He came to the Dodgers. His first year here, he was he put up you know near MVP level uh, numbers. His second year, he got injured, missed uh, you know two thirds of the season, and was extremely disgruntled. And you know, here's a problem with Hanley. In, in, you guys tried to rectify it by moving him to the outfield, but here he was a shortstop. The fact that he was a terrible defensive shortstop, and so if he's not, if he wasn't, you know, absolutely destroying the ball. Uh, we can't move anymore. Yeah. So I, I think that you guys signed him for like a five years and ninety million, or it's some huge oh number, God. right? Way yeah. too much. So, way too much. I don't have it in front of me, but I don't even want to look at it, so I'm not going to pull it up. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the timeline on David Ortiz's career looks like, but I, I, I'd imagine it's only a matter of time before Hanley ends up at your DH, right? I mean, what, yeah, but so the problem with that, the problem with that is that they were hoping that Hanley Ramirez was going to be a left fielder for a little while because uh, they fully expected, and it happened, David Ortiz to have his his contract vest, and he reached his at bat limit, not limit, but his at bat threshold. This year, right. so his contract is vested for next year. He's he's around next year, and you know what? The way that he keeps himself in shape, he's probably around for the year after that too. And he's still he's still hitting at that the level that he needs to 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 keep that position. Well, or the he, problem is, I mean, I mean, he's he's not necessarily hitting there, but the problem is that his contract is going to be guaranteed if he gets to a certain amount of at bats, and so next year is definitely guaranteed if he if he continues to, uh, uh, I guess, earn the at-bats that uh, that he's earned this year. He started off very slow. As as uh, as of recently, he's been much, much better, back to the Ortiz that we all know and love. Uh, but overall, I'm, I don't know if he can sustain it for another year, but I expect the Red Sox to give him the opportunity next year to sustain it. It doesn't matter how good he, he performs. If he reaches a certain amount of at-bats, he gets a guaranteed contract for the following year as well. So even if he doesn't perform well next year, Calvin, right. he could be here for, for another two years. Right. I guess you have that problem. And I, I imagine Sandoval is going to start breaking down to you too, right? I mean, he's not exactly uh, right. playing. It's, so yeah. the, the Red Sox have basically loaded up on players that they were hoping would last longer than they're going to. In, and then they were going to turn them into the next DH. And Ortiz is still here, guys. Bad planning. Hopefully Dave Dombrowski fixes that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, well, let's get to the rest. Do you, do you feel like management uh, has let you – do you think that the, the off-season acquisitions, you know, focusing on, again, Hanley and Sandoval and, and not addressing the, the bigger knee, which seemed to be starting pitching um, – the way the season has played out, like, do you feel like uh, you know ownership was justified in moving over to Dombrowski, or do you think it was just a matter of a guy like Dombrowski uh, with his track record of being successful, just the fact that he was available, uh, you know, that's why they went in that direction, or do you think it was a response to, to what you can argue is a disastrous offseason? Well, this thing all started with Larry Lucchino and uh, – the announcement that he was not going to be around any any longer. And it started even before that announcement at the beginning of the season when John Henry basically said that uh, a executive, Mike Gordon, part owner and, and executive Mike Gordon, was going to have a lot more say 
in the situa in the situations as far as baseball operations are concerned uh, than than Lucchino would this year. So Lucchino took a step back early on, and he's now officially out. Right. So they need to figure out a way to go about that. If you believe what they said when they brought Dombrowski in, they wanted Charrington to stay. Uh, and it was Charrington's decision to leave, and I don't blame him for that because they brought somebody in over his head. So, hey, guy, get on out of there if if you feel like you're being squashed by somebody else, you know. And so I think that's the right move for Charrington. We'll see where he ends up. Um, but I also think it's the right move for the Red Sox because Dombrowski brings a sense of scouting and a sense of baseball operations that we haven't really seen here in a few years. I think Charrington was just sort of following a model that was given to him, and Dombrowski actually goes out and is the guy that creates the model. He's the guy that's going to say, all right, this is what we're looking for. You go find it and bring it back to me as far as talent is concerned. And I just I like the way that the guy has operated so far. This Hanley Ramirez thing, I think, is coming from him and not necessarily from the manager because this is an interim manager anyway. So anything that's major like that is going to come from upstairs. And by all accounts, the, the guy leading the charge right now is Dave Dombrowski. So it looks like a good start for the Boston Red Sox here. Finally, in September. Yeah, so do you have do you have hopes for them going into the next season? And we haven't really even talked about baseball very much this year. Um, no, we haven't. I, I, There's been we haven't. It hasn't been warranted on my end. I don't know about yours. Yeah, I, I probably it's probably my fault for slacking off there. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talking related things that I could have been talking about, like uh, you know, Zach Cranky and his you know 169. I think he right now, which is like mm-hmm. one of the best of all five. Oh wow, the uh, yeah, Dodgers are great this year. Yeah, look at you. I mean, they're not excited. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, they, their their bullpen right now is a disaster. Uh, I mean, good enough to make the playoffs, sure, but I, I think that they're they're going to get blasted by pretty much whoever they play. And is, is what my prediction would be. Either St. Louis or Pittsburgh, I would guess. Um, maybe the Cubbies if they get in. Who knows? All right, Calvin. I forgot to do this, so I will segue it in this manner. Maybe all Hanley Ramirez needs is a good night's sleep. Huh? You like that? Maybe that's all he needs. And you know how he... Yeah, I know you like that. You know how he can get it? He can go to casper.com slash Celtics. That's right. Casper.com slash Celtics is a promo code. Use the promo code Celtics. What's Casper? Besides a friendly ghost? It's an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. If you need a new mattress, you need to go to casper.com slash Celtics and get $50 off any mattress using the promo code Celtics. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, and then that savings goes right to you, the consumer. It's an obsessively engineered mattress, and it's a very fair price. They use latex and memory foam, for better nights and brighter days. It's comfortable, it has the right sink and bounce, and it provides long-lasting comfort and support. Get it online, easy, completely risk-free, casper.com slash Celtics. 
and use the promo code Celtics. They're made in the USA. Five hundred dollars for a twin, nine fifty for a king size. It's an outstanding price point compared to industry averages. And get, like I said, an additional fifty dollars off if you go to Casper.com/Celtics and use the promo code Celtics. One more time. What is it, Calvin? What's the promo code? Oh boy, you blew that one. Casper.com slash Celtics, promo code Celtics. Uh, no, I, I wish I you had some sort of a. Yeah, I know. Because you weren't paying attention to me. Maybe I was just ranting a little bit. Um, I wish I had a drop to just play and say goodbye, but I don't. So now we have to be awkward and just leave. How do you want to? How do you want to do this? Oh, uh, we could just like we could sing like a good goodbye song. Sing a goodbye song and then just hit the button and then see you later. Yeah. Now it's time to say goodbye. So I guess. Oh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to Cabo? I have not been to Cabo. Oh. Just wondering. Yeah. I well, hear there are uh, a lot of I hear there are a lot of old ladies down there. That's a great way to end it. Ah, just wondering. Great way. Yep, just wondering. Alright, well, 